Hey guys, it's Josiah and... And this is Micah. We're here inviting you to the first ever Young Adults Today conference. Micah, when is it? It is March 13th and 14th of 2020. And you're going to want to sign up before February 13th because the early bird price is only $99 per liter. This is for teams. This is for volunteers. This is for interns, pastors, and key leaders, whether you're starting something new or strengthening something existing. We pray and believe that you'll leave feeling inspired, equipped with relationships that last a lifetime, new ideas and resources. And this is going to be an incredible rallying point. Micah, what are you most looking forward to? I'm looking forward to seeing the names and faces that we've seen come across by just listening to the podcast. But in addition, being in a room of shaking their hands and just hearing what God is doing in their life. So we look forward. Sign up today at youngadults.today slash conference. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Today, I'm joined with my husband and co-host, Josiah Keneally. Welcome, Josiah. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you, Micah, and thanks for tuning in, everyone. It's great to have you listening in on our conversation, and we're excited. Absolutely. So, Josiah, we have a very special guest and a dear friend to not only you, but to us. And uh, would you be willing to share uh, with the audience who that person is today? I'm honored. You know, we're here in, in the middle of season two, recording downtown Minneapolis today for the show. And we're joined by one of our closest friends in the world. And actually, he was even the best man in our wedding. His name is Brent Silkey. And Pastor Brent is the director of St. Paul Chi Alpha, as well as the founder of the movement called 30 for Freedom. Just to share briefly, St. Paul Chi Alpha exists to transform the university, the marketplace, and the world by giving students the opportunity to find Jesus and follow him for a lifetime. The mission of St. Paul Chi Alpha is all about hope, Injustice. 30 for Freedom is a movement that exists to end sex trafficking in our lifetime. And we will talk more about that on today's episode. Brent is a husband to Eliza and dad to three wonderful kids who are growing, growing fast. And our friendship, Brent and I's friendship, spans over a decade. Brent was actually my youth pastor when I was in high school. He has been my mentor. Uh, actually ever since. And we've obviously become best friends, close friends. And, you know, uh, Brent and I were even talking about our friendship recently. And we actually, if you can believe this, we talk on the phone, not just texts, <laughs> not just DMs, not just, you know, messages. We actually talk on the phone uh, quite a bit. And so one of the most incredible seasons in ministry and also in my life was working together at Cedar Valley Church where Brent was the high school youth pastor and I was the young adult pastor. And now we get to do ministry together in some different ways, teaming up with Chi Alpha Campus Ministry and also here on the podcast today. So Brent, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us. Guys, it's an honor to be here, and it's so fun to see the dream that you have come alive right now, as Ms. Beats would say. So thanks for having me on today. That's absolutely right, Brent. We're so excited that you're here, and we're excited yeah. for our audience to hear what God is doing in your life and what he's wanting to do in theirs. And we're just going to kick off right away, and we want to dive in. And Brent, will you be willing to share with our audience about your adoption process and about your story? Yes, absolutely. So I was born in Seoul, South Korea, 1986, and at that time... I was actually born to an, un- an unmarried teenage girl who came from a divorced home, lived with her dad and her grandparents, and had to drop out of school after eighth grade, I believe. 
And so she, in a culture that's very honor-based, she really was in a hard spot. And so if I could ever have the chance, if she ever listened to this podcast or I could stand face-to-face, I'd want to say three things to her. Number one, thank you for choosing life. That was not always the decision that, that young girls in that situation chose in South Korea in the 80s. Number two, I'd want to say thank you for giving me not only life but an opportunity for a different kind of life. Because when I was born, she had to make the impossible decision to give up her, her son, her baby, uh, to the state. And so the third thing I'd want to say, because I've read the stories, I've read books that have letters from Korean moms who had to give their kids away for adoption. Uh, there's so much shame that is just expressed in the writing. And I would want to say shame off you in the name of Jesus. That's you good. gave me an opportunity for life. Wow. And so I would want to say those three things, give her a hug, tell her about Jesus and introduce her to my family which is her family. Beautiful. And I know that that's adoption is such a beautiful thing. Spiritually, we're adopted in a Christ family, all of us. And so whether or not we are adopted, whether or not we will ever adopt listening, we can all relate on a spiritual component somehow of being a part of a family that wasn't our birth family. Yeah. It's, it's our spiritual family. It's kind of the family that we choose. And so, Brent, can you dive into your faith journey, mm-hmm. your life story, and how you ended up doing college and young adult ministry? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the crazy thing, going back to that adoption story that will lead into our spiritual adoption story, um, the first two labels put on my life were illegitimate. My, orphan, or my legal status was illegitimate, which sounds really harsh. And my orphan status was abandoned by mother, which also sounds really harsh. So illegitimate and abandoned. And I think a lot of people in the world today, apart from Christ, they might feel like in a way that their life is lacking something, they're missing something. They might feel like they've been abandoned by different people in their life. And so for me, to be adopted into this family on September 5th, 1986, everything changed. I went from being an illegitimate, abandoned orphan to being a beloved son. I became a silky that day. And um, the crazy backstory, really quickly, is when my mom was 10 years old. She was on the farmhouse in South Dakota, and she was flipping through a magazine. She thinks it was a National Geographic magazine. She got, and she always goes backwards through magazines. She gets to the front cover, and it's two South Korean boys on the front. And at 10 years old, God put a dream in her heart wow. that one day she could be a mom to two little boys like that. Amazing. So on September 5th, 1986, I was the first half of that dream coming to fruition. And the next, the next year, in the fall, my brother Adam was adopted from Korea. So she, 30 years later, got the dream that God put in her heart came, and it came, became a real thing for her. So that's, how, that's a little bit of my background story there. When it comes to faith, I grew up in a great church, awesome church. Um, it would be defined as a mega church as far as attendance goes. But I honestly went just because that's what my family did. My mom was like the most dedicated Sunday school teacher in our church. Uh, my dad served in the parking lot ministry, stuff like that. But I went because that's what we did. And I honestly didn't I told my mom at one point, I said, Mom, when I get older, I am not going to go to church. When it's up to me, I'm, not, I'm out. She goes, well, we'll see, Brent. We'll see when you get there. It's funny that God would call me to be a pastor. He's <laughs> Did you of, say <laughs> never as well? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I said never. That's a word that I choose to not use now. There you go. There you go. Um, <clears throat> so that's a little bit of my... Uh, I grew up in this great church, but I was disconnected. Mm-hmm. And I had these friends I met in seventh grade in middle school that invited me to communist church. Now, if you've never heard of Communist Church, it sounds like it sounds crazy and it sounds like an oxymoron. Sounds illegal. <laughs> sounds illegal. It was a game that they played that they would they would turn all this in this huge church. They'd turn all the lights off. They would hide a glow stick, and you'd have to find the light. 
and the opposition were the quote unquote communists that would protect you from finding, they would, they would guard the light so you couldn't find it. And so you had to find it in the dark. They would preach the gospel as this great event. So I told my mom, mom, I'm going to go to communist church tonight in seventh grade. She's like, excuse me, you're going to what? I said, I'm going to communist church. She goes, no, you're not. I said, no, no, it's a game. She goes, what kind of church has a communist church game? And so I got invited by Laura Velasco, now Laura Johnson, Chris Roush, and Micah McDonald. And they said, hey, come to this thing. And so that was my first introduction to the gospel. And it was something that, honestly, at that point in seventh grade, it was just a fun night for me. I went back in eighth grade, and then I think I went in ninth grade one time. But for me, it was still, I, I went to church, I went through the motions, I did those kinds of things. And then I found out much, much later that Chris and Micah in eighth grade started praying for me every day. Amazing. What would happen if our friend Brent could know Jesus in a personal, life-changing way? And so fast forward to freshman year of college, I'm spiritually disconnected. And like I was previously, I was spiritually an orphan. And I was uh, searching for things. And I went K through 12 through the same district, which is great. But when you graduate and everyone goes off to college, and I actually went to Normandale Community College, with yeah. shout out to Normandale Lions out there. Um, went to Normandale Community College, was trying to find myself. And Micah said, Brent, would you come with me to church? And mm. I went to Cedar Valley Church that night, the same place where I, we played communist church the game in middle school. And I heard, I walked into the sanctuary and there were hundreds of students, middle school and high school, raising their hands, worshiping God in this passionate way. And I, I was like, whatever they are singing and whatever they believe, they really with all their heart believe it. And it was something that was, it, was, it drew me in. And then this guy got up and his name is Ryan Skoog, the youth pastor there. And he preached the gospel with just this, it was, I've never seen someone preach the gospel like that before. He would get so excited, he would literally be standing on his tippy toes. And he would preach about Jesus, and he said, the love of God is so strong that there's nothing you could do so bad that would make God love you less than he does, because his love doesn't change, because he doesn't change. And I was like, thank God for that, because my life is a little jacked up right now. Mm -hmm. And then he said something that was I would consider life-changing. He said, there's nothing you could do so great, that no achievement you could achieve that would make God love you any more than he already does. And for me, as an achiever, I don't know if what's in my nature or whatever, but I always want to achieve more things. I was like, I can't, I can't earn this love. So what do I do? And then he said, if you want to receive this love, it's a gift. And so that was a life-changing, it was a life-changing epiphany for me. And if, for those of you who know me who are listening to the podcast, I'm 0% or 1,000%. And when I said yes to Jesus to following him, I was like, I'm going in 1,000% to follow him, whatever that means, whatever that looks like. And so that's a little bit of my introduction to the faith. That's amazing. That's just a beautiful story of truly who God is. He is He is our Father. He is the Alpha, the Omega, mm -hmm. the beginning and the end. He offers us hope mm -hmm. when we feel hopeless. Yeah. And we know that God has put that dream in your heart in a different way and in a new way. In the last few years, mm. <clears throat> excuse me, we've been able to see him kind of unpack and unravel some of those things deep down in you. And we know that St. Paul Caiapha's vision um, has to do, has, kind of teams up with hope and justice. Can you kind of share that vision and talk about hope and justice? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a, a great man of God named Mike Amiot, and he came to my office one day. I was youth pastoring as the senior high youth pastor at Cedar Valley Church. My best friend Micah was the middle school, high school, or the middle school pastor there. And then my other best friend Josiah was the young adult pastor. So it was Micah, Brent, Josiah. It was so fun. One of the greatest seasons of my life by far. And Mike Amiat comes in my office and he starts talking about 
private schools in Minnesota. And there's no Chi Alpha ministry on any private schools in Minnesota at this point. And I thought it was a great vision that, that you know to bring the hope of Christ to the campus, but I didn't know what that looked like or why he was talking to me about that. And then he he basically said, hey, we want to invite you to into the process and think about joining the Chi Alpha team and starting Chi Alpha where it is not currently. And I did the nice Christian thing, pastor thing. I said, hey, that's Mike, thanks so much for thinking of me. I'll pray about it um, without really like thinking like, oh, yeah, this is for sure for me. But that night, I had a vision. God gave me one of the clearest visions in my life. I was standing on one of the one of the campuses in St. Paul with the open Bible in my hand and students around me at a specific place on the campus. And I felt like God began to open the door for us to do this ministry to college students. And so for the previous 10 years, I had worked with college students as youth, leader, youth leaders in our group. But the idea of doing college ministry was never on my radar until that day, and it was March of 2015. It's powerful, and, you know, that's your transition into Chi Alpha. And can you talk a little bit about hope and justice? Yeah. Because that's kind of been an anthem or mm. a, a rally cry or a march that we've seen modeled and that we've been inspired by. Yeah. Thanks, Josiah. Well, I think one of the things that it's a foundational part of who we are as Christ followers is we have this hope, this unshakable hope in Jesus. And so to share that hope with the next generations of people um, it's just a part of who we are and what we want to be about. The justice side of things um, has to do with, I, I love, my friend Paul Herkman always talks about biblical justice, and I love that. It's not just social justice, it's biblical justice. Right. What do the scriptures compel us to do in light of some of the evils that are taking place in the world today? And so as we combine this idea of the hope of Christ and this idea of biblical justice together, uh, that was one of the things that kind of unlocked the door for us to become an officially recognized group on some of the campuses that we are on. And so we help engage students. Sometimes students don't know about Chi Alpha. They don't know how, how to pronounce Chi Alpha, <laughs> which is okay. That's okay. But they are passionate about fighting sex trafficking, or they're passionate about feeding the hungry. They're passionate about taking care of the refugees. And we say, we are too. Let's go. Come on in. And we invite them in. Some people are really passionate about finding hope. And when they find that hope, maybe they go in a thousand percent like I did. And they say, hey, how can I share this with more people? And we say, you can share that with more people by making disciples and by sharing this hope through biblical justice with other people. So it's kind of been this cool entry point. Like we have a front door and a back door. And we're saying, hey, come on in both, both sides and let's do this thing together. And a lot of times when people come for justice, they find hope. When they come for hope, they can live out biblical justice. So it's, it's kind of this cool, this cool uh, model that God has given to us. It's amazing. And Brent, we've run some miles together, you a lot farther than I, and I started running at your invitation. <laughs> and um, can you tell us about your passion for running? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was big into um, things that were not running <laughs> in high school. Uh, I was a sprinter in track and then a thrower. I, then I, was, I went from being a running back in football to a lineman. So I, went, I was a lineman and a thrower, and the last thing I wanted to do was run, run long distances. So in college, I was lifting, kind of doing more powerlifting kinds of things. With you, actually, you were spotting me on a lot of those reps. Yeah. And um, eventually had some shoulder issues, and I said, you know, there's got to be a different challenge that won't be an impairment to my body when yeah. I'm older. And so I started running, and I figured out that, that was quite a challenge for this thrower in track and this lineman. And so I like a challenge. I like to go in a thousand percent. 
And I remember when you were, Josiah, in high school, you were graduating from Eastview. And I said, hey, would you ever want to run Grandma's Marathon with me? You're like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. And <laughs> I was probably one of those people who didn't know how far a marathon was. Like, oh, do you want to go for a run? Sure, man. And then it's 26.2 miles, as are all marathons. And... But the it trick was amazing. Is learning how to ask good questions. <laughs> he did not ask any questions. It was amazing. What do I got to wear and when is it? Okay, I'll be there. <laughs> I was there and I have no regrets. I think it was like a week and a day after you graduated from high school. Yep. We went up to Two Harbors. We stayed at the cabin. Uh, full circle, Ra- Chris Roush's family cabin. They got one of the guys that prayed for me since eighth grade to know Jesus. We stayed at his family cabin in Two Harbors. It was my wife and Josiah and I, and we ran the marathon. And that was kind of your introduction and my introduction to marathon world. And then, uh, I mean, we've run, I mean, we ran Twin Twin Cities 2010, run for the border 100 miles in four days, Um, Twin Cities again a couple different times. So, yeah, I just, I love running. I love, I love the challenge of it. I love that it, it, it it makes, it makes you be intentional about your time. I think that's so big. And I, I find that discipline in life is like dominoes. And when I can have things that keep me focused on a task or keep me focused on a vision, like, hey, we've got this race coming up. I have to train for this. That keeps me disciplined physically, which impacts me spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially in every way. You know, I think that what you just talked about is having hobbies and having mm-hmm. something that's, you know, as pastors, as Christian leaders, yeah. we all need friends who are in ministry. We need friends outside of ministry yeah. and we need hobbies. We need things that we're passionate about that are not work mm. and um, working out health, whatever your hobby is. I think that that's a great takeaway, which kind of leads us into something called mm-hmm. 30 for freedom. And Micah, can you ask the just the next question about 30 for Freedom. Yeah, absolutely. So Brent, we know that this is, um, you're the founder of this, 30 for Freedom. And on your 30th birthday, you had a crazy and wild dream. What was that dream and how has that impacted you since then? Mm, Great question. So going back to 2006, I was at North Central University in a chapel and this man came to the platform I had never seen before, David Grant from Project Rescue. And I'm sitting there in the chapel, I'm 20 years old, and he begins to tell us story after story of these little kids, these girls, who people would literally fly from different parts of the world to come to India, and they would pay to do unthinkable things to these kids. And I remember sitting there in chapel, I was not ready, I was not emotionally bracing myself for this Mm -hmm. kind of a chapel experience. And it was one of those indelible moments where God did something in my heart, he did something deep within my soul, and he marked me, he said, you will do something about this someday. But I didn't know what to do. I'm 20 years old, I'm like, I can give an offering and I can pray, but I knew that there was something more that I had to do. So fast forward then to 2015, I'm turning 30, I'm staring down 30 in the face, and I'm thinking, sweet mercy, I'm turning 30 soon. And I knew that I wanted to run 30 miles my 30th birthday. But then God began to speak to me about that chapel experience and just the idea of what's happening with these kids and sex trafficking, not just in India, but all over the world and even here in Minnesota. And so God gave me this vision to run 30 miles on my 30th birthday, with invite 30 friends to run with me. Josiah, you were one of those 30. That's right. That we would each raise $1,000 so we could raise a total of $30,000. And I found out through research that every 30 seconds, someone becomes a victim of sex trafficking. So 30th birthday, 30 friends, 30 miles, $30,000, because every 30 seconds. And so that, I was sitting at a Perkins, Perkins Bakery with Yoel Oliva, one of our former students, one of our beloved um, guys from youth group. 
he was serving in the Marine Corps and he was home on leave. It was, I remember the date. I remember it was very cold. It was early morning, December 28th, 2015. We're sitting at this Perkins and he goes, Brent, what's new? And I said, well, Yoel, I'm turning 30 in five months from today. He goes, well, you're getting pretty old. <laughs> and it was one of those moments where I shared this vision with him and he reached in his pocket and he handed me a hundred dollar bill. Now I have not confirmed this with Yoel since then, but I believe that was his Christmas present that year that he literally said, I hear about sex trafficking in briefings in the military all the time. It's evil. It's everywhere. We have to do something to end it. And he hands me this $100 bill. So what Yoel did, in effect, was put his money where my mouth was. Hmm. And I went to the – I literally went from that meeting into the car in the parking lot of Perkins. And I sent an email to Pastor Mark Dean, who was at the time serving as our district youth director, and to Paul Herkman and Aaron Smith of Venture. And I said, here's my dream. Can we work together to make this a reality? And they both said yes and yes. So what I did for the next five months was I contacted every person I could think of that could be passionate about fighting trafficking that uh, maybe had a running background or running experience. And most people said, wait, how, how long? 30, 30 minutes? Like, no, no, 30 miles. So like, no chance. And then I would tell them what it was about, and they would say, oh, wow, let me think about that. And so I'll never forget my 30th birthday. We had 48 of us that ran the full 30 miles. And we had, uh, Micah Mack was the youth pastor at Cedar Valley Church, and he had 75 people that ran for freedom that day in a 5K version, a 3.1-mile version of 30 for Freedom. So that first day, 123 people lined up to run for freedom, and our goal of $30,000, God took that, and it was $81,346 that was raised that first day. On, it was the greatest birthday ever, <laughs> right? And I thought that was it. I thought, hey, wow, praise God, what an amazing day. We're going to make a difference with this $81,000. And then I kept getting message after message about next year, next year, next year. And the next year, we had 400 people that wanted to run for freedom. Insane. And $177,000 that came in that next year. And so it's just been this thing that we've seen. It was a dream that God birthed in my heart in 2006 that came to fruition in the beginning in 2016, 10 years later. That's become something that we had ne- wasn't on our radar. wasn't something we planned to do. It wasn't this great idea that that Brent Silky had. It was a dream that God put in our hearts, and it's a family passion of ours as well. And so, for even our kids to be able to run this year, 30 for Freedom 5K was really a powerful family experience. And to run for kids, the way that we say it to our kids is, we're going to rescue kids who need help. Um, and so, for them to be passionate about that and raising money for that and giving from there, they're saving up to go to Disney World, so they're going to be saving for a lot of years <laughs> to give out of their Disney World fund. Oh my word! Saving, you know, to help rescue kids. So that's a little bit of the backstory of Thirty for Freedom. Brent, it is insane. I've I've had a front row seat to to mm-hmm. see it, but when you summarize it in those few minutes, it's insane to think about. First of all, running thirty miles is a crazy idea. And to the idea to compel people to give mm. of their time, of their energy, of their bodies, of their resources to end this horrific mm. um, tragedy that, yeah. is, that is one of the greatest issues of our day, right. one of the greatest injustices of all time. And so I think it's insane to see even talk about, what is this, four years into yeah. 30 for Freedom right now and give us a snapshot of what has happened and then go forward into the future. What do you mm. see happening? Yeah, love those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, it's just a, a story of what God can do when, when we just say yes to him. And so all the credit is to him. Yeah. And so uh, we've, 
since put together a board. So mm-hmm. now we have a board of 30 for Freedom. And one of the things that I think I'm most proud about, uh, proud of in this movement is that none of the board nor I do we take a salary from this at all. It's everything that's given is given 100% to sex trafficking prevention, rescue operations, and survivor, wow. holistic survivor care. We know that once someone's physically rescued, there is a whole lot more work that needs to happen in their life trauma stuff and some just lot there's a lot of things that need to happen and so we want to provide all three of those different things to uh, the the people that have been trafficked and um, so we partner with venture we partner with project rescue we partner with free international so we have some stuff that happens here in the states and Mm -hmm. then some things globally as well and so the last four years we've done it's crazy to say it's been four years already but we've seen over 620 almost six hundred and thirty thousand dollars raised it's insane yeah, it is insane. <laughs> that's over half a million dollars. Yeah. And it's, it is making a difference, mm. a massive difference. Yeah, one of the things that was so crazy was I had a friend from high school, my high school, or I went when I graduated, that reached out to me a couple of years ago and said, Brent, I just want to say thank you for the work that you guys are doing because after high school, after my second year at St. Kate's, she said that she had some circumstances happen in her life where she was actually trafficked for six weeks from Minneapolis down to the southern part of the United States for six weeks locked in a hotel room and just unbelievable stuff going on. And so that hit so close to home for me that it was was not just something I heard about in North Central, but it was happening happening in India, but it was happening in Nepal. It was happening in Minneapolis. It was happening in the United States. And so that made things more real and it kind of cranked up the fire even more for us. And so... Um, yeah, just to be able to talk with people who have um, been rescued out and have been, lived in that life and to hear just some of their stories. And every year we've got more people saying, hey, I'm a, I'm a survivor and I want to be a part of this thing. Hey, I'm a survivor. And I want to give. Hey, Beautiful. I'm a survivor. I want to walk or I want to run or I want to get involved with this. That's incredible. And so it's been so and you talk about what does the future look like? Um, 2020 30 for Freedom is going to be the Twin Cities chapter. Oh, man, we have some big, big things planned. And so one of the things that we want to do is we want to provide these free international, one of our nonprofits we support, with these rescue vehicles. They're basically huge, like, RVs. And they have crazy technology in them. Um, they help rescue kids. They do big searches to, like, find missing kids. Um, and they, they're doing some amazing work here in the States. And we want to provide another one of those vehicles for them. It's about $120,000. And so they're going to be up here for our Twin Cities chapter of 2020. They're going to have one of their vehicles on site. And every one of our runners and volunteers to check in will have to walk through the vehicle and to see the reason we're running is to buy one of these things to rescue kids in the United States. And so I cannot wait. We have some big stuff planned for 2020. But for the future, I don't know uh, exactly what God will do with it, but we're open to what he wants to do. And um, I think one of the most exciting things is seeing the next generation get engaged in biblical justice through something like this. Brent, I think that's just an awesome visual of just your your heart's cry for this generation and for for the world. And mm. so many people have teamed up with you in that process of I want to jump on board and I want to run and I want to sacrifice. And I'm kind of going off script here, but I I was just curious. Um, I know that you get up on stage and you cast a vision, you share statistics, and 
if I'm correct, there was an individual you shared briefly. This is how individuals who are trying to traffic young adults or mm. youth or middle schoolers, this is what they're doing. This is their approach. And I just feel led to ask this question. Mm. What are the top two or three things that leaders listening need to start being aware of with their middle schoolers, um, their high schoolers, maybe their young adult ministries? Because there was a young girl who I believe you shared a statistic oh, yes. and she actually was approached to potentially become trafficked yeah. and she knew that that was a warning sign and she got out of there. Yep. Would you mind sharing sure. a brief snippet of that? Yeah. And maybe two or three things to the listener of what we can do to be aware, of, whether the Mall of America, mm. in our backyard, wherever. I just feel led to ask yeah. that question. Great. Those are great questions, Micah. So I was talking to a pastor actually from Minneapolis here who works a lot with different organizations fighting human trafficking. He talked to, he's, he's, we were out for, for lunch one day and he said, Brent, I talked to a, a pimp from Minneapolis. He said, the pimp told him that he will go up to girls at a place like the mall or the Mall of America and he'll, he'll you know, talk to them and say, hey, you're beautiful. And if the girl looks him in the eye and says, thank you, confidently, she is not a target to him. If she looks down, if she shows any sign of vulnerability or weakness, he instantly says, "This she has now become a target to me. And so I heard that. It was one of those things that made my stomach turn. But I wanted to equip our, our people at 30 for Freedom this year, the Twin Cities chapter, with that knowledge base. And so we shared it with about 1,000 people. And the next week, I got a message on Instagram from one of our runners, 30 for Freedom runners. Um, she's in high school. And she said, Brent, you're not going to believe what just happened to me at work. And she's in a, you know, a, a different city. She's not in, in the Twin Cities. But she was approached by someone that the exact same scenario happened to her. And she said, I'm so glad and so thankful that you shared that at 30 for Freedom because otherwise I don't even want to think about what could be happening to me right now. We called the police. We called my dad. And she's, she was literally at work where this happened. Right. And she you know, was taken home and for, by her dad and everything like that. But I think it's just crazy what's, what's happening. And it's happening in plain sight sometimes. And I don't want I don't say that to to be a fear monger or anything like that, but it's it's really happening. It's really taking place. I think one of the things that I got to sit through an amazing training by Free International. And they it was actually a training that they give to educators. So if you're a teacher, if you're an administrator at a school, they said one of the things there's a it's a really amazing training that I would recommend, freeinternational.org. Um, but they they talked about if there are, are all of a sudden a student is like there's stark changes in mm. a student that doesn't come from a lot of financial resources all of a sudden has super nice stuff or a person that's coming from a very maybe conservative and modest background all of a sudden dressing really provocatively in a big swing in and how their appearance is they said that's a red flag um, they said that ba because of truancy loss that you have to kids have to be in school that there are so many people who are being trafficked who are literally sitting in classrooms in school and then after school is when it's happening. It's unbelievable. And the, the, the predators are using social media. They're using different stuff on Instagram. Um, so, and one of the, I guess one of the other things that I was, uh, became aware of this year, um, it's something called sextortion. And so they'll basically, this, this case um, that I was informed of, there was a person who was a 32-year-old male who was posing to be a teenage girl and Yikes. would target athletes of different schools and go after them and send them direct messages on Instagram, and then it would become more provocative and more provocative. Hey, send me a picture, I'll send you a picture, kind of a thing, until she had pictures of these all these athletes. And then she would say, now you need to give me this money or else I'm gonna make this picture public. 
you know, you need to do this or I'm going to do this. And it became, it's, it wasn't just extortion, it was sextortion by using some of those things. So I think it's just, I think for pastors and for leaders and for educators and for parents to be aware of some of these things that can be happening, especially with social media, because mm-hmm. it's such a sneaky right. backdoor for these people. So if you're out there listening to this and you're, you've got people you know that are in the young adult age range or that are even teenagers, um, just have this, continue to keep the door of conversation open so that those conversations can happen. And um, I think to educate and aware, make, make kids aware of what's happening as well is really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, would just, just those helpful tips of knowing how are people being approached? Mm-hmm. What are they using right. and how yeah. are they leveraging that? And just being aware of that as a parent, as a leader, I think that's very significant. And we know this is a heavy topic. We know this is hard to even fathom and imagine. Um, but we really want to get into a fun topic now. And oh. that's more or less like dreams. Yeah, yeah. And Brent, you are one that will not stop. You already said it from <laughs> zero to a thousand. Like yeah. I'm a thousand. I'm all in. <clears throat> like I'm above all in. So I'm going to have Josiah ask that first question about kind of dreaming big or maybe even dreaming bigger and how do we start activating those dreams Mm. that God is giving us? Yeah, I think it's helpful knowledge for us to have to be educated about what are the crises and injustices in our area, in our communities, in our world globally. And I think that's a perfect segue because I think two things. Oftentimes the greatest dreams are birthed out of the greatest injustices. Mm. And if you want to change the world, what is going to be changed? Well, the thing that needs to be changed, that's the issue. That's the problem. And then the dream is going to be more of the solution Mm -hmm. or making a difference. And so, Brent, with dreaming big, activating that dream, we know that God is the giver of dreams. Uh, He does that with Joseph, and he gives this young boy dreams. And um, I also heard you tell the initial group of runners who ran with you in 30 for Freedom year one, Mm. when God gives you a dream, you grab a hold of that dream and you never stop running. Mm. I think I quoted it mostly right. And we know that a lot of listeners today may have a dream. Maybe it's about changing the world. It might be about starting a small group, a new ministry initiative, a nonprofit, a church plant, um, a, a new business. Um, what advice would you have for us when it comes to dreaming big and activating that dream? Yeah, that's a great question, Josiah. I think uh, as I was processing this, the idea of dreams and then helping a dream become something that more than just in your brain, right? Having it act, become actualized in, in real life. Um, for me, as I thought through some of the bigger dreams that God's put on my heart, it was this initial dream and it was usually an exposure to something that made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of trafficking makes me uncomfortable. Um, I think we like comfort a lot, and we don't like to be uncomfortable, experience discomfort or even pain. But I think sometimes out of the greatest anguish, out of the greatest pain, out of the deepest stuff like that, like you said, can come some of those dreams where God would say, you've been through this, you know what this is like, now it's time to do something to help other people. And I think when it comes to activating dreams, um, I think of it as a crockpot. And it's probably not the answer you thought I would, would give. But for nine years, the crock pot of my heart, was it was simmering with mm. this idea of fighting trafficking. How do I do it? What does this look like? What's the best time? What's How do we do these things? And I think a lot of times when you have this initial passion for something and you want to just start something right away, you want to just, hey, this, this, let's do this right now, that, that's when things fizzle. So that's one side of the spectrum. The other side of the spectrum are people that I've talked to before, I've met them before, they say, Brent, I'm so, it's amazing that you just took this dream and you actually did something with it. 
because I've had all these dreams my whole life and I've never taken any steps. Right. I think we can become paralyzed by all this, the, the analysis paralysis, right? We can overanalyze and, and sit on it too long so that if you think of a crockpot analogy, that it becomes mush, right? We mm. eat it too soon and it's too hard. We eat it, you know, too, wait for too long and it becomes mush. But there's a sweet spot in the middle where, and God will open up doors and he'll begin to do things where you finally feel like, yeah, I think this, for me, was this milestone birthday. Hey, a birthday, usually it's all about me, right? That's what a birthday is about. Hey, it's the day you were born. I was like, I don't want my birthday to be all about me. I want it to make a difference for other people. I'm going to invite people into that story. And so for me, it was just, you know, nine years of the crockpot, boom, 30th birthday. That was like, let's go. Let's do this thing. And I felt like I had a plan and a little bit of a strategy that materialized. I've been sitting on a dream for two years, another dream for two years, that it's going to, 2020 is, is when we're going to go down with this dream. But it was two years in the, in the crockpot because it wasn't ready to come out yet. It wasn't wow. ready to say, okay, now here's the plan. And so, so anyway, so that's another different, that's a different topic, but I think for people to get the sweet spot and figure out, okay, don't sit on it too long. Don't spend 30 years sitting on it. If it's mm. something that needs to happen 10 years ago, but also don't like come out of the gate with something that's so fresh that, uh, they call it the wet dog syndrome. And a dog <laughs> jumps in a lake, really gets excited, comes and is excited to see and shakes all the water. Like, ah, stop. That, that can happen with a dream sometimes, but if you let if you let it like chill out in the crock pot and like simmer, it becomes seasoned and so amazing and so savory that when it's time to eat, that's ready to, you're ready to go. So I think you just got to find that sweet spot and it's going to be different for every person right. for every big dream. Right. But um, I would say don't eat it too early and don't wait until it becomes mush. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it and kind of give us an illustration for if you're listening today and you know, you're a leader and you're passionate about young adult ministry and maybe that dream of a young adult ministry being developed has mm. not yet happened, but we want to be people and we want to be people of dreaming and doing Yeah, and just kind of paralleling that along with each other. And many people have an overwhelming dream that makes their heart race, that mm. keeps them up at, at night, that, you know, their adrenaline kicks in when they think about it. So Brent, what would you tell somebody who... How can they move from dream to taking that next step? And you may have already alluded to it about sure. the crock pot, but is there anything else that you would say about that? Yeah. Um, so what I do is I'll sit on a dream for a while, and I'll, I'll always bring my wife into the loop right away. Hey, I'm thinking about this. I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not committing to this. But I always say, <laughs> this is something I'm thinking about. And so she'll think about it with me. So I've got a really close, my closest confidant in the world that's thinking and praying with me about this dream. Right. After it's been in the crock pot a while for the both of us, I'll then invite some people like I, Josiah. I do. We actually do talk on the phone every week, uh, sometimes for hours. Uh, it's kind of a unique thing for us, and we're, we're both considered millennials. But anyway, um, I'll call people like Josiah. I'll call people like Mike and Mac, different people, and say, "Hey, here's something I've been sitting on for a while. This is a dream I've got. What do you think of it?" And I share it with a safe group of people that I know have my best interest in mind, but they also are fellow dreamers. Mm -hmm. And I get feedback on it, and then I'll share it once I feel like I have that stage completed, formulate a plan, and then I move on to where I'm sharing it with other people that are in a wider circle. So I'm currently, for my 2020 dream, separate from 30 for Freedom dream, sharing it now with a wider group of people and inviting people into the process more and it's gaining traction and more traction. And so I think starting with your close, small, small circle and expanding it outward as it becomes more developed so that when it's time to eat, you're all ready to go. That's good. Brent, that's so good because <clears throat> I think that the, the fear that a, a lot of people have when it comes to dreams is, well, what if I fail? 
Or what about the unknown? What about all these variables? And you mentioned analysis paralysis. There is that side that we could get hung up on Mm -hmm. for decades. And then there's the other side of it could go too soon, but I think finding that sweet spot and that's where knowing the voice of God, having a spouse or trusted friends, Mm -hmm. community, and then formulating a plan step by step. It's not getting too far out ahead. It's not drifting behind. It's just walking one step at a time. And so for those who even want to hear God's voice in the area when it comes to burdens, anguish, visions, dreams, their soul is stirring right now. And they're listening to this podcast even for a reason that's far beyond themselves. How could someone grow in this area? Yeah, that's a great question, Joe's. I think the greatest, I think one of the things that is the greatest hindrance to dreams, even being birthed inside of us and then dreams happening is our overly busy, overly scheduled, crazy, hectic, breakneck pace of life that we live in America, just broadly. Yeah. yeah. And I think that sometimes it's those things that, oh man, yeah, I'm, I, you know what? That's really important, but it's on the back burner. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's on the shelf over here. And we, we get so busy that we can just not engage in those things and not pick it up. And I think one of the greatest things we can do is press pause on our life, on our schedule, on our calendar. I know that there's a lot of people listening that you might have bivocational stuff going on and you're in ministry full-time and you're working at another job full-time and you've got a family and all these responsibilities. And so the idea of pushing pause and getting away for a time, it might seem unrealistic. And I understand that. In some seasons, it's, it's, it can be hard. But even for, for me recently, to push pause on my schedule and to get away I went to a prayer and fasting retreat where there's built-in time in the calendar, in the day, in the schedule to have solitude, to pray, to pray with a group of people, to hear from the Word, and to hear from God. And I think when we can do those things, especially in the busiest seasons, that's when God begins to do open up his visions and dreams to us. It's like a treasury that he opens up to mm-hmm. us and says, hey, here, this one's for you. And I think sometimes we, if we get too busy... Th- we, we actually miss out on the treasury of what God has for us for dreams and visions. And so to push pause, and because I think what, I love Pastor Mark Batterson when he says, change of pace, change of place, brings a change of perspective. And so if you're sitting on something, or you're st- even if you have a dream, but you don't know what to do with it, if you can push pause for a, a week, a weekend, a day, an afternoon, and get away and just be alone with God and hear from him, um, man, he, he drops some stuff that is so fresh and is so beyond what we could ever fathom or come up with on our own um, that, that those moments can be game changers. That can tr- it can literally change the trajectory of your life, but also countless others as a result. That's great. We all need to press pause at times. And we know that sometimes when we if we don't press pause, we just kind of spin our wheels. Mm-hmm. We kind of just sit there wondering what's next am i have i stopped dreaming am Mm. i dreaming too small am i dreaming too big is god really there what is he doing what am i not doing what should i be doing and all these kind of insecurities can kind of be pulled out of us when we're running like you said at a breakneck speed Mm -hmm. but what would you say to someone who feels stuck in a rut like literally right now and what are some ways that they can get into god's presence and dream new dreams and maybe you already alluded it to it a little bit but is there anything else you can think of yeah, I think you have to sometimes change your rhythm. And I was at, I was at church a couple of weeks ago, and the, the idea that we talked about was time. And I realized that in this crazy busy season of my life, mm-hmm. that I was, um, someone said, so I heard this phrase recently, they're, they're like, we don't want to just be pickle prayers. 
I was like, what is a pickle prayer? They said, you pray when you're in a pickle. I was like, <laughs> oh, funny. All right. <laughs> and so they said, we want to be people of, we want to be people of God's presence and people of prayer. Yeah. And in yeah. order to do that, you have to change. I had to change a rhythm in my life so that now every morning I wake up before the rest of my household. I go downstairs, grab my coffee, I grab my water bottle, put some vitamin C in there, and I head down to this chair that I have in the basement. It's peaceful. It's a time where I can hear from God, pray, read the scripture, and that's a time where God can just download things into my heart. And so for me, one of the things that I had to do, and I wasn't necessarily even feeling stuck in a rut, but I was feeling really busy. I had to change that rhythm. And so that's something that I think, you know, if you're feeling like you're going crazy, you're doing the same thing and, and expecting something different, you might have to completely change your rhythm. And I love sleep. I think it's a holy thing to get good, to get good rest and good sleep. But I, I know that you feel the same way with Josiah. <laughs> but I think for me, it was I need to. And I, I actually, interestingly enough, um, Angela Duckworth in Grit, her book Grit, talks about if you can predecide something that's a part of your rhythm, that takes away the mental energy that you have to do every day. Crazy. So I just know at this time every day I'm waking up, my alarm's going off, I'm getting downstairs, and that's my some one of my favorite times of the whole day. That rhythm is changing my family. That that's rhythm good. is changing my life. So if you're stuck in a rut, change your rhythm. It'll change your life. I think that's amazing. And Brent, there was a moment, um, gosh, I want to say about four years ago, and to back up, there was this dream that God gave me in 2012, and, and we've talked a lot about it. It's a vision of reaching young adults for the glory of God. And then there was, you know, steps that I took of um, getting my degree in youth ministry, getting licensed and ordained as a pastor, you know, getting hired on a staff at a church, and just taking steps of faith, steps of obedience along the way. And then there was this moment, probably about four years ago, where we went to lunch and we came back, we were riding together and you dropped me off and you're like, Josiah, what about the dream? Mm. What about the vision? And I don't want to say like, I never forgot that moment. The moment with God was like so impressionable, so experiential that it was, it was unforgettable, but it had gotten kind of put on the shelf mm. and the flame that once used to blaze bright and burn strongly had kind of flickered. And kind of in my own soul, this burden, this dream kind of became more of like a ember mm. or a coal. Like there's still some heat, there's still some energy around it. But when you asked me that question, it was like you just dumped gasoline wow. and it drove me to the prayer room. Wow. It drove me to the prayer closet. It drove me to seek God. Like I was 16 years old again, like I was 18 years old again and just desperate. Like, God, if you don't move, this thing's not going to happen. And this is not for me and my kingdom or my name. This is about the glory of God. Yeah. And so will you just take a moment and maybe it's a question, but can you lean in for a second and dump some gasoline on people who have put a dream on a shelf mm. for a season? Like. Yeah. It was a God dream. They know it. Yeah. Or or they've allowed just life circumstances to get busy yeah. and focus on other things. Can you just dump some gasoline yeah. on some dreams for a minute? Sure. It's crazy what sometimes, whether it's listening to a podcast or having a conversation after a lunch, 
can, how God can use something like that. And so as we come to this point on the podcast today, if you're listening and you feel that God has clearly spoken something over your life, he's given you something to do, he's given you an assignment, he's given you a burden, he's given you a vision or a passion, and you have put it on the shelf or you've gotten so busy that you've forgotten about it, uh, may may the Holy Spirit just reawaken that in you so deeply um, that you would pick it up again and that you would share that with a trusted friend or a confidant or a small group of people, and that they would be able to speak some things over you so that you can get moving in that direction. Because if that's an assignment from heaven, if that's an assignment from God, the opportunity to move on that won't always be here. And so may you be empowered and quickened by the Spirit of God to fulfill that mission that he's put on your life. You never know what God can do with our small steps of obedience following him. And I'm getting emotional thinking about this because I think about what's in the balance, what hangs in the balance, the people, the souls that hang in the balance if, of yeah. if your obedience. Yeah. And so be encouraged if you're listening to this right now. There's a, there's a reason that at this particular time you're listening to this podcast recording that God would speak to you again about that thing and reawaken that and dump the gasoline on that little ember that might be burning and flickering in your heart, that you would then run after those things, that you would get the right people around you, that you would begin to pray and fast about those things because God can do immeasurable more than we could ever ask for or imagine. Yeah, I think that's just a, a great challenge for every single one of us because God has given us all a dream and a passion. And we say this all the time that God has not put dreams in our heart to tease us. And I would just encourage you, if you are not in a, a friend group or you are not around positive people, it is hard mm. to discover your dream if it's right. filled, filled with negativity yeah. or people who don't believe in you and don't believe in the vision that God has given you or don't believe in your passion. So I would encourage you, if get involved in a life group, mm. find some trusted friends, um, make new friends, yeah. maybe reach out to a pastor, maybe a couple seasons ahead of you where you know God is taking you, or even reaching out to any of us online here, anybody mm-hmm. who's on this podcast has said, if you need anything, let me know, and I would love to help. So we just want to be a resource to you. We are not the answer. We don't have all the answers, but we can point you mm-hmm. maybe in a direction that could be helpful for right. you. Yeah. So we just want to encourage you, just like Brent said, like we pray that God dumps gasoline on that heart. Mm-hmm. And one phrase that kind of keeps going out of my head all morning, and it was... Um, I don't even know who said it, where it came from, but I heard this back in North Dakota, and it's talking about when we start comparing, like when we say the grass is greener or isn't always greener on the other side, or the grass is greener on the other side, however you want to word that. And one thing that somebody said to me, Mike, if you don't like how your grass is looking and you're peeking over your neighbor's fence, start watering your own. That's good. And I think sometimes we focus on other people's dreams of what God is doing in their ministry Mm. or in that life group or that size. And we start the comparison game and it's like, okay, but have I been on my knees? Mm. How do I water my own grass? How do I water my own soul? And how do I allow God to breathe a, a, you know, a fresh breath upon whatever that ember looks like right now. So we just really want to encourage you today to just say yes and amen to what God has placed in your heart. We're teaming up with you, even if we don't know you and we haven't seen you, God knows you and God sees you and he knows that dream. And I love what Brent said about what hangs in the balance. Yeah. What hangs in the balance? Is it with human trafficking? Is it with feeding, you know, the people who 
can't feed themselves? Is it leading your group? Whatever it is, God is speaking something hopefully to you right now. And we're going to come to the end of our message where we're going to talk about five and five. (laughs) Brent, we love you. We know know a lot about you, but our audience may not. We just want to get to know you even more. So we have five questions in five minutes. They're going to come rapid fire. Let's do it. So let's do it. He's warming up here. So question one, what has surprised you about college students and young adults? I think one of the things that surprised me the most about college students and young adults is that they, because I came from a youth ministry background, and there's a lot of passion, there's a lot of excitement about things, and transitioning to college ministry, young adult ministry, it's been so amazing because these are adults. These are people that, like, they, they, know, the, they know what's on the line. They know the stakes involved if they make a decision, like, to follow Christ or not. And so when they do it, they go all in. And I love seeing that. I love seeing college students say yes to Jesus. I'm going to follow him. What does it look like? How do I invite more people to be a part of this thing? And it seems like the commitment is so deep with young adults. And it's, it goes beyond the level of passion, but it goes into, into, into who they are. And I love that about young adult ministry. It's powerful. And Brent, we might know this, but what is your favorite event that you've ever done? favorite event I've ever done. I think one of my favorite events, and I specifically think of this season of ministry, is an event called Fall Retreat. It's the most pivotal single weekend of the entire school year for our ministry in Chi Alpha. Students come who are part of the Chi Alpha family. Students come who are brand new freshmen or first years, and they become part of the family when they come to this weekend. And there's something about when you can push pause, like we talked about, and get away into the presence of God with great people who want to do the same thing, and you experience the manifest presence of God together that is so powerful. And I love the moments afterward, after that even, when we're in the altars together and we're praying, we're, we're seeking God. And then afterwards, when we go and do baptisms or we go to a restaurant like a family, and we put all the tables together and we like take up the restaurant and it's just those sweet moments that it's it's actually unlike anything else and so i would say fall retreat specifically saturday night specifically end of service and going out together as a family it's amazing and will you tell us also because fall retreat's amazing and can you tell us another amazing event is 30 for freedom it's happening 2020 new year mm new decade, a defining decade of destiny. When is it 2020 and how can we get involved? Love it. Well, registration just opened, 30forfreedom.org, the number 3304freedom.org. And it's the Twin Cities chapter is gonna be our big one this year. It's happening on May 23rd, 2020. It's a Saturday. We always do Memorial Day Saturday. And I wanna just invite you, if you're listening, to be a part of that. You can be a part of that through signing up and running with us, walking with us. We have a 5K, 10K, half marathon, and full 30-mile ultra marathon for freedom, if you wanna be a part of that. Volunteer slots as well. And if you wanna just be a part or find out more, uh, you can find us also on our social media channels. And I'll just say, I think 100% of our Young Adult Stop Today podcast could participate on some level. Mm. And even the Young Adult Ministry leaders from across the nation, maybe you're in Minneapolis, and you can come to the Twin Cities chapter. Maybe you can travel in for it. There'll be other chapters across the nation as well. And you could even start a chapter right where you're at with Mm -hmm. your ministry. You could do a 5K. You could choose that same Saturday in May. But what if 100% of the people listening to this got on their knees and prayed? Mm -hmm. Use that same muscle, like Ryan Skoog says, to actually run or walk or volunteer. And then to to give yeah. and, and to participate in bringing peace, shalom, as Paul Herkman came and visited and talked about, and and to, to participate in the sadaka, justice, yeah. restoration work. And so I think we can all pray, run, volunteer, give, 
go, and we'll get back to five and five. <laughs> All right. Well, question number three, um, Brent, we know that there's a lot of life change, whether that is from retreat, whether that's 30 for Freedom. Is there a specific story of life change that you would be willing to share today? Yes. my One of my absolute favorite stories of life change. There was a skinny young man who came to our small group and just was passionate, was a had the clear markings of a leader on his life, loved uh, business, wanted to go and just become just super wealthy to, quote, fund the kingdom of God. And I watched as he would continue to put his life down before the king, and, and he pressed into what God wanted for his life. And I watched over a period of years as his life was radically changed by, um, by the presence of Jesus. And he the passions he had were changed and the, the, the things that God put in his life were so changed that he wanted to reach people for Christ in a significant way. And I got to watch as God called him to ministry full time as, as he pursued um, serving in the local church. And uh, I've, I know this is supposed to be uh, five and five is kind of a lighter, <laughs> a lighter one, but I get emotional because it's such a powerful story of change. And now to sit in a room doing a podcast with that same young man um, is so powerful to see someone's life when they lay it down before Jesus and say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever, wherever you want me to go. And to watch what God does through a life that's fully submitted. And I got to see that. And uh, for those of you listening who don't know, that is Josiah Keneally. And uh, he's doing it. And Micah and Josiah, I'm proud to be your friend and uh, to be here with you. Oh, my word. Well, that hasn't happened before on the podcast where <laughs> Sorry about I that. broke down in All tears. All three of us have teary eyes. <laughs> and, um, man, I think that just pressing in, Brent, um, it's been just a journey of following Jesus, and you've been there through thick, through thin, through mountaintops, through valleys. And to have had you as a youth pastor is one of the most unfair and unbelievable advantages mm. that anybody could have in life and to have you as a friend to pray with me in these discover the dreams, learn to hear God's voice, teach me how to just love people and, and reach them for God's mm. kingdom, for his glory, and to know that it's all about Jesus. Yeah. Um, oh, didn't know you were going to go there. So uh, <laughs> I'm man. a fan of the podcast and I listen to it every single week. I can't wait for Monday to roll around so I can hear the next one. So I have been thinking about these. I do have an unfair advantage in that way that I've been listening to these. And oh, my word. <laughs> I look at all of us. We all broke down in tears from that. That hasn't happened on the podcast, but kind of just a holy moment for me to take down a trip down memory lane and understand the goodness of God. Mm. I love that song by Bethel. It talks about the goodness of God, and that's the story of my life. That's the story wow. of life change. And so, Brent, two more questions. <laughs> We're having fun and it's emotional and it's beautiful, but would you be willing to tell us one of the most epic failures you've experienced in ministry? Yeah, I would like to share the most epic failure, in fact. Um, I had just gotten married, so my wife and I had been married for four or five months and we were youth leading at Cedar Valley Church. I was an intern pursuing my degree in youth ministry at North Central University. And my wife that night, we did large group and then small groups and then large group. And so she was wearing a gray sweater. I'll never forget this. Um, we, I, I was sitting right behind her during our large group. We broke into small groups and split, split up all across the room. We came back to large group. And there she was, sitting there with her gray sweater. And I wanted to be an example of the loving husband 
for my students and just watch this moment happen so I can remember it in slow motion, guys. I came up behind Aliza and I gave her a kiss on the cheek in front of, I came up right behind her in front of 35 of our small group students. I was one of them. You were one of them. <laughs> you were there. And I gave her a kiss on the cheek, just like, oh, hey, love you, honey. And I remember, the, I was like, that didn't feel right. <laughs> and I sat down and this girl turns around with their gray sweater on and it was a freshman in high school. <laughs> oh, no. And in my nervous awkwardness, all I could say and repeat was, oh my gosh, I just kissed someone who's not my wife. I just kissed someone who's not my wife. And my wife's like, stop saying that. Stop saying that. Because she's, you know, she eventually heard what was going on. And it was one of those moments where I could not believe that just happened. And I had to talk to the pastors I was serving under and let them know what happened. They did their best to hold it together and not laugh in my face, but they thought it was hilarious. Um, I called the family immediately. And thankful, thankfully to the Lord, um, they, we knew them and had history with this family. And uh, they said, Brent, we had a good laugh at dinner about that. And we want you to know we know your character. We know your heart. Um, it's, all, it's all good. Don't worry. And then I had to call my senior pastor. That was the scariest moment of my life as I waited on hold to talk to Pastor Jerry Stranquist. And I told him what happened and the process I took to try to rectify the situation. <laughs> and he did not laugh. Uh, but he said, sounds like you did the right things. Don't do it again. I said, yes, yes sir. I will not. So to this day, I've been married 11 and a half years. I still don't come up behind my wife and give her a I just can't do it. I have like ministry PTSD from that moment. So that's one of my most epic fails in ministry. Oh, well, we're laughing. We're crying. <laughs> this, this is a good episode. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, Brent, we've came to the very last question right here. And if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with today? It's a two-part answer, and I've been thinking about this, and I'm sorry that it's not one thing. It's going to be a two thing. Um, Craig Rochelle always talks about the fastest way to kill something is to compare it to something else. And Micah, you talked about this earlier. I think that God has called us and equipped us for a specific place for, for different times and seasons of ministry. And if you're leading a group of three and you look at the person that's leading a group of 30, if you compare, it's going to automatically just kill the joy that you have of serving those three people. But if that's where God's called you, then that's where you should invest everything and go in a thousand percent for those three people that Lord willing, there'd be more and that God would continue to bring more into his kingdom through those three people. I think, so that's the first thing is don't compare in ministry. The second thing is Andy Stanley. He's one of my favorite leaders, pastors, communicators of all time. He says, don't give up something unique to you for something someone else can do. So what does that mean? That means that in my role as the director of Chi Alpha St. Paul, could someone else come in and lead that ministry? Yes, they could. I am replaceable. We're all replaceable in, in certain roles. The unique roles that I have are very few. One of them is to be the husband to my wife. The other one is to be the father to my kids. That is, those are unique roles that God has entrusted to my care specifically, that someone else can't just come in and be fulfilling those roles. And for me to put things that are replaceable or things, I'm not saying ministry is not important, but to trade the things that are not unique to me for the things that are unique to me is a tragedy. And I think I've been guilty of it before. And for young adult leaders out there, yes, the, ministry you leads, the ministries you lead are important, but don't give up what's unique to you for something that someone else can do. Phenomenal. And um, Brent, holy cow, what a fun episode. Love runs deep when it's God's love. Wow. And 
Um, love's running deep on this episode through laughter, <laughs> through tears, through memories, through the questions and the responses. And we just love you so much, man. We're so man. deeply grateful to spend time and just want to drive one last thing home. And that's what Brent said of what hangs in the balance of your obedience. Mm. Ultimately, eternity yeah. hangs in the balance. Destiny hangs in the balance. World change hangs in the balance and generations hang in the balance. And when you look at it, why are we doing this podcast? Because something hangs in the balance. Yeah. And today, let's all be reminded of that. Brent, thanks again for joining us. You can find out more about Pastor Brent Silkey, St. Paul Chi Alpha, and 30 for Freedom when you connect with us on our website at youngadults.today, as well as online across all social media platforms is at youngadults.today. So until next time, dream big, take the next steps, step into the yes. And this is Micah and Josiah Keneally along with Brent Silky signing off of the youngadults.today podcast. Plug me in, I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.